You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Okay, well, first of all, welcome to the very first episode of the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. I am Rob Gross. And um, before I get going, I wanted to thank everybody for their support in me getting this going. It, um, my wife brought it up to me um, one night in bed, and then now it's a reality, and that was like four days ago. So it feels very good to have this already uh, out there in the world as of recording. I also want to thank um, the one and only Billy Rafool for recording uh, literally within, or at least getting it back to me within 24 hours the uh, the intro music for this podcast, and uh, I'm forever indebted to him for this Mark Lanigan-esque uh, kind of song he uh, he bestowed upon me. So thank you, Billy, and you'll be a guest soon. So I'm very excited to start my very first podcast with a very special guest who would be my wife, Anna Herda. Uh, it's her idea, so, you know, yeah, it's good for, uh, good for my marriage to have her on as my first guest. We are, to no one's surprise, going to be discussing um, Pearl Jam. So, welcome to the Grossed Out Podcast. Well, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, you're on the couch. Yeah, so. <laughs> what a, I mean, it feels like home. It does feel like home. Um, so, you know, to, to talk about this, basically what we're going to do is, every time we do one of these, we're just going to pick a band. Uh, the guests will pick a band. We will then talk about that band. It'll be their favorite band. And that'll be the podcast. This isn't, it was almost too easy for me to do, let's hate on this band. That's what I'm usually known for. So I wanted to do something we could talk about and um, be positive about. So, Anna Herta, what got you into Pearl Jam? Oh, well, uh, picture it. It was <laughs> Seattle, 1990. Right. Uh, it was just, you know, I moved to Seattle in 1990 and you know that's it's what anybody and everyone was talking about so you it was unavoidable you I think when you when you get to Seattle they hand you like a care package of stuff and it's like uh, louder than love 10 uh, a, a, a flannel and some heroin okay uh, what did you do with the last <laughs> thing you just said <laughs> well now I'm a junkie now <laughs> Dark. Yeah. Got dark quick. Yeah, well, sorry. Yeah. Um, so, um, I know you well, and I know these answers, but... Yeah, that'll be interesting, because you know what I'm going to say to most of these, so let's see if I can't surprise you. Yeah, which, I, I, if I can remember, I want to get into a story when um, I was once at a work function in Los Angeles, and we were living probably in, let's say, the Bay Area at that time. And uh, you called me freaking out with this specific song. Yes. Of this album opener. Playing. Well, listen, we'll get to it when we don't. Yeah. When we get to it, and if we don't get to it, then I'll make sure at yes, the end we tell you. the story. All right. So, favorite song, favorite album, but reversed order. Wait. Give me that favorite album first, and then the we'll get fav- into the song. Well, the, the, my favorite album is No Code. Right. I mean, it, it's when they got weird. They were having. A lot of struggles with fame, like Ed almost left the band. Like it's weird and it shows. It does, and they were already kind of on the road to weird. Yes, Vitology is oh, 
weird. Well, Vitology was the breaking point, I think, for a lot of fans because it... <laughs> because Vitology is inaccessible. Well, yeah, right, right. So there's half of Vitology that's their poppiest work to date with yeah. Better Man, yeah, 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 Corduroy, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they went ahead and went full on Neil Young. They went in the studio and did Merkin Ball with him yeah. and did um, I Got Shit in mm-hmm. Long Road and then almost broke up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, made this ridiculous record that has become basically the backbone of their live show. Yeah, well, I think it's most fans' favorites. I think the majority of the people we know, like the the super diehard touring fans, will generally, if they're not saying no code, they're saying yield or binaural. Mm-hmm. And yeah. binaural is not as, not as strong as yield. Yeah, I know one. I know one riot actor too. Is it you? It's not me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody will get to at some point later on. No, I mean I, I am I am the binaural guy, and my favorite song is also on that record. But your favorite song is also on your favorite record. Yes, smile. Which is smile. Yes, which is a wonderful song, and it's a beautiful song. It's just beautiful in its simplicity, and I think. I want you to tell this since you're the guest. Yes. The first time we saw them play that live together, that we had that what the fuck moment because we didn't know. Oh, yes. I was thinking it was at Hartford, but it wasn't. It was at, um, uh, uh, it was Boston. Sure. No, it was Boston. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it was the Boston Garden. Okay, fine. In like 2016? No. 20, 2006. In 2006, because yeah. we're old. Give or take 10 years. Right, give or take 10 years. So it was the second night at the Boston Garden. Okay. I have to look on my specific app that tells me Pearl Jam stats, which exists. Oh, I um, also don't have that app in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm almost positive it was the second night at the Garden in Boston in 2006. Um, so what had happened was that co- I think most fans were completely unaware that Jeff and Met the Bassist and Stone Gossard, the guitarist, played each other's instruments for the song. I didn't know it, and uh, most of the people I've talked to didn't know it either. So right. sitting there in the audience, and they switch instruments, and everybody's like, what's happening? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on? What's this? Woo. That's when you, you know, it's that electricity, and you know something's about to happen. Yeah. And you fucking start the song. I, ah, uh, there's been... So many amazing moments it shows within the, what am I at now? 46, 42? You're, yeah, you would have hit 50 this year. Yes, I'm aware. I would, I would have hit 40? 50 shows this year had yeah. the, had COVID not entered the chat. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so uh, at, at 42 shows, I'm not good at math. So 40 something <laughs> shows. And, and I mean, at that point it was... 20-something shows, I think. Okay. Let's say. Maybe 30. I yeah. don't know. A lot. Um, and still having no idea that that would happen. And it was, you know, just... It was there's a White Whale song. It's just one of those songs that you don't think you're ever going to get. And then it happens. And it's just like... You just... It's like when we got Nothing As It Seems in Seattle two years ago. Yeah, it's a top three song of It all was time a song that... We've been waiting 18 years to get. 18 years and almost, let's say, 90 combined shows. 90 shows to get this one song that neither of us had heard. I've been going to shows since 1996, and you've been going to shows since 2000. 2003, because we both missed the same show. We didn't know each other. We met each other three months later. So when we got Nothing As It Seems in Seattle, it was 
it was like we had a baby, the amount of people who congratulated us. Yeah, it was fucking like, wild. Everyone around us who knew was like, oh my god, congratulations. Our friends who were there were yeah. like, oh my gosh, you got nothing as it seems. Like, yeah. I got texts from people who weren't there but were following the set list. Like, it's momentous when you finally get that song that you've been dying to hear. And it was awesome. Yeah. I always awesome. rem- you always remember what show like they all kind of bleed together for me for the most part but there's yeah. some that stick out but always the ones where the song that you've been <clears throat> the song you've been waiting to hear for forever finally pops up and it was like uh sometimes and nothing as it seems and smile and um uh, uh all those yesterdays all that, which we got at the Gibson here which is now Harry Potter land so Fuck you, Universal <laughs> Studios. Well, you know, J.K. Rowling's kind of trash all around. Yeah, I said fuck you. Maybe they'll tear it down and rebuild the Gibson. That's oh, that would be sick. Yeah, I'm sure that's extremely likely to happen. I believe so. Mm. So, you know, I think for, for people that don't know, that don't understand Pearl Jam, or, or don't know, you know? Right. I think Or dismiss. Or dismiss it. Them as, what you know, they're whatever, a 90s actor or whatever. Right, exactly. Not quite... Don't understand that it is a fanatical cult. Right, which is what rock radio tells you. Like, they'll put out a new record, and then two weeks later, they're back to playing Small Town and Alive and Even Flow. Right. But they're a deep catalog band. And I think yeah. what we're trying, the point that at least I love to get across when talking about this band is that they, getting a song like that, if most bands, you don't get a moment like that. You get what you get. Like I love Alice in Chains with all my heart. They play the same show every night. Right. It's and it's a way of of, of like gen- Alice in Chains isn't busting out Queen of the Rodeo. No, but they do it once in a while. They'll switch out a song and play Love Hate Love instead of like this, or, right? Or, or again, whereas Pearl that. Jam does that every night. Right. So Jerry Cantrell is a perfectionist, and fair enough. But with Pearl Jam, it's. You want the fuck up. You want oh, yeah. them to give a song a try and just be like, oh my God, we heard this as soundcheck today and then three weeks from now they played it because they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We practiced it. We don't care. It's great. Right. It's, it's the moment. Right. So that being said, why do you think people do not like this band? Hmm. Because that's... Musicians have come out saying that they fucking hate Eddie Vedder, that they hate Pearl Jam. Who said that? Specifically... Zach Wilde, who oh, is... Oh, fuck Zach Wilde. He doesn't, a, he doesn't bathe. He doesn't bathe. He does something really gross, too. Really? You know what does I'm he, say. Uh, We're going to talk, talk about this later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, why would he say that? Because well, he's a dildo. Okay. Well, but... As hard as it is for me to be biased, I completely understand when people say they don't like the band. Mm-hmm. I don't understand when they say they hate they hate the band. That just means you haven't seen a live show. That's all that says to no, me. No, that's true. If you tell me that you don't like Pearl Jam or that you hate Pearl Jam, in my mind, I know it's because you haven't been to a live show. Sure. Also, Agreed. it could be because of the fans, because the fans are kind of trash. Not the fans that I'm friends with and the fans that I know, you know, who, who love the band, for all the right reasons and tour and see the band and, and truly love the music. But like, you know, the guys who come expecting it to be like it was in high school and the kids are at home with a babysitter and they're going to get fucking slash drunk on cheap beer. Well, this, right, right, totally. And that's, that's the thing is. I, and all they want to do is hear fucking shit off 10. All they want to do is hear even yeah. flow. And that is the last fucking song I want to hear. Cause I've heard it. I don't know what it, I mean, I could, again, my stat tracker could tell me that I've seen it like, at 40-something shows, I've seen it 38 times. Yeah, it's something insane. Like, I don't give a shit about you, Flo. No. And 
it's it's funny because in the you know this, but to explain to people that don't know, it, the things that turn me off from even being a Pearl Jam fan uh-huh. are the fans. Uh-huh. Similar to like a Dave Matthews. Been like, I want to have you know asterisk it with it, certain types of fans. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because not the not the people that we know and love. Yeah, but the people that we see at the shows who are like, oh. Oh, you mean the jamily? I'm. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. They call them the jamily. The band doesn't. The band doesn't acknowledge any of the shit, which is. Or the Pearl Jammers. No, no. I'm specifically talking about the people who are generally behind us quite a few sections. Oh, yeah, yeah. But. Ugh. The ba- the backwards hat wearing guys who came to see Evenflo and Jeremy and sing their whole heart out to Better Man, not not understanding what that song's about. Oh, totally. Even though that is my least favorite Pearl Jam song of all time. Yeah, but I think it's your least favorite song because of of the the frat bros and because that like a lot of people aren't quite grasping what it's about no. and they're singing it like it's a love song. Right. I prefer Leather Man. And the other man, nothing man, all the mans. You know, I think twice. I don't like now, any of the mans. You like no- nothing man. Oh wait, wait, I do like nothing man. That's true. I think like two or three times we've seen them play all the, the man, man, man back to back. The orgasmo trio. Mm-hmm. That's a deep rooted joke. Mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Okay, so we've already talked about how many times you've seen them live, pretty much, give or take. Yeah. Uh, and then the disappointment that is this year in so many ways. Um, so here's a question that. You know, being in the music industry, I think about a lot because I've been very fortunate, as of you, when you meet, you meet, I don't want to say meet your heroes, you know, but it's more about meeting these people that you've looked up to. And Mm -hmm. as you get older, even though the age gap doesn't change, the age gap changes. Eddie Vedder now at 53 or 54, 55, whatever he is, doesn't seem as a... he's 55. No, he's definitely up there. He's born in like... 68 or 69? I'm not going to do this right now. Okay. He's not 55. There's no way he's 55. Jeff is like 56, though. He's the oldest guy in the book. Okay, that's fine, but I don't believe Eddie Vedder's 55 right right now. Look, I don't need to be Rain Man right now. What I'm trying to say (laughs) is that I think when you're younger, when you're, let's say, 11, 12, when you got into the band, Mm -hmm. being 27 felt like you're old. Oh, my God. Now being 40 and the band's in their mid-50s, it's like, it's not that different. No. So... That being said... No, we're basically... It feels like the same age. You told, they, are, right. they are a good decade older, but... Yeah. They're now at, yeah. like, older brother status, whereas before they were, like... Dad status. Full-fledged adults. Yeah, they were adults. Like, you must have a credit card. Right. right. <laughs> like, like, you can rent a car. Oh my God. I'm going to go back and play my SNES right now. <laughs> so, um, you've met a few members of the band. You met one member of the band. Uh, Two? One. Two and a boom. One and a boom. Yeah, boom. Yeah, for boom just miraculously showed up in 2002. He was like a surfing buddy of Ed's, and he shows up, and he's basically in the band until right before this last album cycle, where he's miraculously gone. <laughs> he just plays the Hammond B3. I would have liked to have heard him on some of the new stuff. Which is a great record, but yeah, but so you've met... You've I've met, met one, yes, I've met Eddie. You made him stop in his tracks. Yes, I did. And I've met well to be to be factual and accurate. I've met Ed three, four times. Sure, more than once. You have, yeah. But that one specific time, I remember it really being just like a wonderful moment. Oh yeah, we for sure had a moment. 
You did. And that's after we found out, and I'm outing him now, that Louis Black is a gigantic fucking asshole. I think that's just because all comedians are sad. They're so sad. There's not much you could do about that. So, obviously, you don't regret the meeting, because there's, you know, you hear the stories over the years oh, of the yeah, meeting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never meet your idols. Never meet sure. the rock stars. Never meet this, never meet that. And I've honestly only had a few, I think one or two ne- negative experiences, and I don't think you've really had any. I can't say that I have. But the Ed one was good. You want to tell that story real quick? Uh, yeah. Uh, so that was Santa Cruz. Incorrect. It was Santa Cruz. It was Berkeley. Ah, shit. It was Berkeley. <laughs> It was Berkeley. Fuck it, I'll tell the story. <laughs> I don't I don't remember the year, but it, it had to have been the early 2000s because that meant we were living in the Bay. It was 2009. That's early 2000s. Zellerbach Hall, Berkeley. <laughs> uh, and we were waiting with our friends, um, Barb and Lydia, and um, I think Celine was there too. Celine was there as um, well. And you had just done something with the Who where you had like, promo who pins buttons or whatever yeah i got them somehow right and so so the thing is when you meet a musician and especially ed you have to have something to sign that's the only way to get close to them because if if you are just trying to get in front of his face people are pushing you aside to sign things i don't give a shit about autographs um, oh, but I but i had those buttons and i got in front of him and had him sign I had him when I asked him to sign the button and it was like tiny little buttons about an inch big and he was very drunk fucking and he was like he was like you're gonna have to hold it for me the cigarette was dangling yeah yeah like the marble man he had the cigarette he's cigarette dangling from from his mouth and he was very drunk and he was like you're gonna have to hold it for me so I held it and he signed it and as he was signing it I took my moment to say what I wanted to say which I had already met him like two times before yeah. so I'd already been like oh my god thank you oh my god you're the greatest um <laughs> and I said you're my Pete Townsend and to Ed, who is notoriously huge Who fan, he looked at me, and with that cigarette just dangling out, he just stopped, and he was just like, "I know what that means." Yeah, he literally stopped in his tracks, like he totally like deer in headlights. His eyes just got like, yeah. real clear, real blue. We looking. call that a moment of clarity. He just like looked right at me and was like, "I know what that means," and and I know he know what that means. Like I know how much he loves the Who, and that's how much I love Pearl Jam, and that was. Using that language to communicate that to him meant a lot to me. Yeah. For him to know. Because, I'll tell you the first time that I met, well, I didn't meet him, but the, my first encounter with Eddie Vedder was in 1996. Back in the day. 1996 at the Luna Park Cafe in West Seattle. Right, you told me about We this. had gone there, it was, I don't remember who was with me, uh, but, it, it, but we had gone there and... Uh, they had ju- they have a jukebox there, mm-hmm. and they had um, they had the new Pearl Jam songs on their jukebox because it's a hip little cafe. And that would have been no code. It was no code, so I put on Hail Hail. It's called Full Circle, right there. Okay, and so I put on Hail Hail, and and the song's like ten seconds in, and from the back, this matters to no one but you right now. But the you know where that back booth is by the bathrooms. I've eaten many salads and right. waffles back. So there. from the back comes Eddie Vedder. You know, a ball cap on, button, 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 uh, his, his coat's all buttoned up, and he walks right by and just kind of like nods and looks at me because he's, because I'm like the only teenager in in there. Yeah. And because it wasn't very busy, and we're the only teenager in there. 
And he just kind of looked at me and nodded and left. And I felt so shitty. <laughs> like, I, I had driven him out. of. He was trying... Dude was just trying to get something to eat at his local place, and I had driven him out. Because that was 96, and so much was going on for them, and he was yeah. already having trouble with fame, and this, that, and the other. And, like, all the dude is trying to do is get something to eat, and his goddamn song comes on the radio. You were a real but piece he, of shit. He did, like, smile. There was an acknowledgement, like, okay, you're the one who put it on. But he did smile and not. And I went out to the parking lot to be like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Like, oh, my God, Eddie better. But he was psh, gone. Sure. There's always a weird difference. Not weird, but... It's so different to say what your favorite record is mm-hmm. and what their best record is. Mm-hmm. Because I think for hardcore fans, like for an ACDC fan, I would venture to say that most ACDC fans think that either Back in Black or Highway to Hell are their best records. <laughs> What's the fucking difference? Yes, yeah, literally. Like, There's like, no <laughs> difference. All ACDC, you, you get what you came for. Like they're, right. they're never any worse than their last song and they're never any better. They just are what they are. Their new song is fantastic. It's it exactly is, what I wanted. Of course it is because it's ACDC. They delivered. Sure. You wanted new ACDC, they gave you ACDC. Yeah. Yeah. So your question is, what your is favorite my favorite? What is the best? Is no code. And what do you think their best album is? It's Yield. It is Yield. It's their that most. correct answer. <laughs> oh, good. It's their most complete, like most, it's beautiful. It's dark. It's happy. It's, it, it, it it's beautiful. It's right when, you know, Matt Cameron came in. So it's. No, he came in right after that. Oh, right, right, right. Well, li- I'm counting live shows. Oh, yeah, right. oh, I'm, I'm counting live shows. <laughs> spot on. It's it's complete. I think it's 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 complete. It's the most Pearl Jam Pearl Jam record. Yes. There's something for every era of the band. Shockingly, before and also the 22 years since, it's got the weird. It's got the dark. It's got the punk. It's got. The, the like the the super depressing. I would balance. say it doesn't have any. If someone comes in looking for a rock anthem, even flow or alive, I don't believe you'll would deliver that for them. I think in hiding does that trick. You think someone Faithful? coming in Faithful's looking, an anthem. You think someone going in looking for an even flow is going to be happy with in hiding or faithful? In between bites of their hot dog? No. <sighs> I don't think no. so. I, so I think it is missing a rock anthem, but I don't care what those people want. So Yeah, I see. So I, can, I can see that. Those people don't know what they're talking about. Mm. Okay. They think they know what they want, but they really don't. They don't. They don't. All right, so this next, this next one is almost a two-parter. So mm-hmm. if you can get someone to listen to just one song, what would it be? And this is it, – it's loaded and it's a deep question because – no pun intended, really – because what's the all-encompassing? Oh, I see what you did there. What is the all-encompassing Pearl Jam song? And and it's you want to take it from the perspective of, you know, it's. Do it's, you want the hit? Do you want the deep cut? It depends on the person. Yeah, it, you get, no, you get it one. depends on the person. All right, so let's 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 split it up into two. You get an introvert and an extrovert. Go. That but that doesn't an an extrovert can like soft music and an introvert can like hard music. I think it depends per it's person specific on what I would custom recommend. But if you with the what you want me to say is you want me to give a generic like what's the one song that you think everybody should listen well, to? Way to insult my question, but sure. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what you really meant to ask. This might have been your question. What, <laughs> what the shit? What you really meant to ask. <laughs> The question you really meant to ask was what's what's the most universal song that I could recommend 
to to anyone. Oh, the most accessible song for for anyone. That's way better. Guest number two is going to be way better <laughs> off Okay, yeah, so, so what... You get, you get all your practice shots in. The thing you just said, what well, the, is that? Oh, God, I don't know, because, you know, the gut reaction is you want to say your favorite song. Like, this is my favorite song, so you should listen to it. But not everybody's going to want my favorite song. Your, your favorite song is way more accessible than my favorite song. Sleight of Hand is for, like, the very tiny contingent of, like, weirdo Pearl Jam fans. I know, I know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Can I pick one off each album? No. So let's skip that for now. Uh, but, all right. So so. But and is it a live version no. or is it a studio version? No. So can I take this person to a live show and have them play this one song and they can be like, "Oh my god, I get it." No, you may not. Because I've seen that happen. I know. I've seen it happen many times at live shows. Okay. I've seen people be converted in front of my eyes. No, I, I have too, and usually it's oh, like. Well, okay. What What is your answer to this question? Oh fuck! I didn't prepare for that. <laughs> no, I I think if there's one song, mm-hmm. um. Which is really funny because I didn't mean to drop that hint earlier for Pearl Jam nerds that would get that joke. But I think the perfect song Uh that encapsulates all of Pearl Jam, Uh that is also accessible, could have been a hit, wasn't, even though you live in Seattle and it was definitely on the radio there, I think is present tense. I think that's a perfect song. It literally has everything that that band brings to the table in one song. It's dark, it's happy, it's slow, it's fast, it's lyrically incredible. Listen, I think they're all bangers, so I don't think there's a wrong answer to this question. They are not all bangers. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, but this is a good segue. Let's come back to this, because I... Because okay, now that- ask me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to think about it. I might have to look at, at album track listings, because I don't know. Okay. I, it would really be specific tailor. Like, if my brother asked me this question, my answer would be different than if... Someone else answered this question. All right, we'll get to your brother's question. my mom answered the question. <laughs> Look, all right, let's get negative for a minute. Nah. What is the worst Pearl Jam song? Johnny Guitar. Tell me about Johnny Guitar. No, thank you. <laughs> I think if you pull... This song, hold up. I know you're going to make a playlist about this, and I do not want this song on the playlist. It's going to be awesome. I absolutely do not want this song on the playlist. It is bad. Yeah, so... Uh, for the uninitiated, Pearl Jam had a period that are like the dark times. Basically, Ugh. we don't know what the fuck happened between 2009 and about 2015, where they just decided to really, I don't want to say not care, because they care, there's craft. but so, It was they, a lot of phoning it in. A lot of phoning it in. And Johnny Guitar is the epitome of phoning it in. I'm not even going to play the sample in the back. We're not even doing that. That is not what this podcast is Well, because is about. an ad said in interviews, like, oh, you know, it only took me 20 minutes to write the song. No fucking shit. Yeah. It's a piece of fucking garbage, and yeah. it sounds like it took 20 minutes to write. Yeah. I'm actually surprised it kind of took that long. On a record of Suck, which is Backspacer from 2009, that song is the- No, that's not true. There are two or three- Wait, is Pendulum on that album? No, that's on. That's on right. Yeah, I have kind of erased Backspacer. Yeah. I hit the old Backspace button on Backspacer. Oh, like, I have. I don't really count that as an album. Yeah, there's some real 
stankers on that record. I don't know how else to put it. That record just fucking sucks. Yeah. And, but, you know, I, I we talked about it then when we were living it. We talked about it similarly when Chris Cornell put out the Scream album. Oof. Was that when you look at these legendary artists over the breadth of their career that were honestly probably actually most definitely due to cocaine. Huh. Artists like Neil Young and, you know, Willie Nelson and Aerosmith at that time, they were so hyper prolific right and they made like neil young i i want someone to show me different he had a stretch of like 13 bad records in a row so i'm just thankful that pearl jam gave us one shit record and one half record right yeah because i mean you knew as a fan that it was coming one day Mm -hmm. and it just when it came it was like oh man i guess the artwork's okay (laughs) which i fucking hate the artwork the artwork's the only thing i like on the album nah there, Pearl Jam, I don't. I already know your answer. Okay. There are a lot of people in the fan base that honestly, we've met them at shows. They don't fuck with the studio records. They are right. a live totally. fan. Yeah. They come to the shows. We are on the, like, honestly, the light end of the spectrum when it comes to amount of shows we've been to. We're not. That's not true. We're, 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 we're. Mid? Mid-range. Okay. But any other band, you say you've been to 50 shows. Like, and people will be like, holy shit, what? What's wrong with you? Why yeah. have you done this? Why have you wasted your life? <laughs> and with us, it's like, only 50? Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So they're most definitely a live band. So we don't, oh, yeah. So we don't really need to go. The studio albums are amazing, but they're a live band. And they they know that by releasing a million bootlegs. Oh, they are, they are the new Grateful Dead. They're the dead mixed with a little bit of that they're the, Stones They're the listenable album. dead. They're <laughs> They are the listenable. They're, they're a cohesive Grateful Dead. Yeah. So, what I wanted to ask you, knowing that, or I want you to tell that story, or do you want me to tell that story, the sometimes story? The some no, I'll tell it because you're gonna. You're gonna I'm gonna get fuck it, wrong. it up. You're gonna fuck it up. Uh, <laughs> so sometimes this was we were living in the Bay, but it doesn't matter because this show happened in Florida. This was. Let me guess the year, and then you'll correct me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it was. Let's see, how old were we? Uh, 2008. It's 2008 or nine. <laughs> I'd like to preempt this real quick with the fact that when my wife was going to see Pearl Jam, I was at a work function. I'm getting to that part. Oh. Let me finish the goddamn story. Oh god, it was horrible. So we had gone to Florida uh, to see Pearl Jam, also see your family, um, yeah. and. You I had to fly to LA for work. Didn't see any of those shows, did you? No. Oh, baby. Uh, so you you left, and I just hung out with your family, which is fine. I love your family. Mm-hmm. I took your brother to one show. That was his first show ever. That was his first show ever. Ross, you're a great seat filler. You <laughs> son of a bitch. That was a really good show. Um, they opened with oceans. Uh, and then no. I drove with some uh, some other Pearl Jam friends. We drove to uh, uh, Tampa. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, I saw the show there, and it was one of those shows. I've, I think that's the only show I've done alone. With a stranger. Nope, that's not the only. Nope, that is not the only show I've done alone. Oh, you're working. It was the first show I did alone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a. There was a seat guy next to me, and he was fine. He danced. It was great. But like, I didn't. I didn't really know him. Right. You know, I don't remember his name. Seat guy. Um, but our friend Lindsay was at the show, mm-hmm. and that was her first Pearl Jam show. Um, and it was a fine show. It was great. And then, all of a sudden, they fucking play Sometimes. And And Sometimes is... If I was going to say I had a second favorite Pearl Jam song, it would be Sometimes. I fucking love 
that goddamn song. Which is the opener on No Code. And if they don't play it first, the odds of you getting it are like, at that point, Well, at that point, I think I was at like, uh, I was somewhere in 20 shows, maybe 18 or 20 shows at that point, and I had never gotten it. Right. And and I saw them on the No Code tour, and they didn't play it. Um, So it was just like... My head exploded. I was alone. Seat guy was fine. He was dancing. But, like, I can't tell him, like, you don't understand. Fucking so, seat guy. So I called, I called you. I don't, and I, I was too loud to know whether or not you picked up. So I just let it, I just had the phone on the line and let it play. And then as soon as they were done, I hung up. So I didn't leave him, like, hey, listen to this. Or, hey, goodbye. Like, I just let the song play and then hung up. And you were... In California, uh-huh. at a work function, uh-huh. listening to what band? So, that was the night that I met Killer Mike, mm-hmm. which is cool because mm-hmm. I'm working with Run the Jewels now, so full circle, blah, blah, blah. Super nice dude. Yeah, but when you called, it's about when you called. When yeah. you called, I was watching Jackal, the band Jackal, the singer Jesse James Dupree, who plays a fucking chainsaw for a living oh i've seen jackal Live. oh I, well clearly i have too <laughs> and while she called on the timestamp was when jackal mind you at a universal work function was playing their song she loves my cock that our then ceo was singing which he then refuted but we have video proof of that's it. so work appropriate she loves my cock so when did you get that message? Later. Were you, like, back at the hotel? Yeah. And what, did you think... I mean, you probably saw that it was, like, a three-minute message. Mm-hmm. Did you figure it was a song, or did you figure it was just me, or... I figured it was a song. You're not a, you're, you're not a, a, a you know, a rampant uh, butt dialer. I'm not. So when you, when you press play on that message, what were you feeling? Were you jealous? Were you happy for me? I was only happy for you, and I'm yeah. not just saying that because you're sitting right here. <laughs> I don't I care. really was happy for care. you. And then any any five percent of jealousy I had went away because we've now heard it multiple times right. live. It became more of a live staple right, right. Over, over the years. Well, yeah, they started playing because they basically twenty five years later they start playing more. Well, you know they used to open no they used to open shows with it. Um, Mike McCready, the lead guitarist in the band, has Crohn's disease, and they would open up with it on nights where he didn't feel well mm-hmm. because if he had to run to the restroom or was getting like the stage jitters. Cause it's got a long it, 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 intro. Mike doesn't play on sometimes. Right. He dusts on the top, but yeah, he yeah, doesn't yeah, play yeah. on the song. It's really Ed and Stone. Yeah. So it became an opener. Mike was really sick during this time. Mike was still, you know, very much into drugs. Mad season was happening at that point. So it, it was like, it was the end of that era of his life. Right. So it, it just, it's a really special song. It was one of those songs that if they weren't opening with it, you weren't getting you didn't it. get it, right. Right. Totally. And now they just kind of throw it in the mix, so you don't know. You might get it. We might get an acoustic. But we got Ed doing it solo before. When? At one of his solo shows. Did or, he play it? Or as a pre-show, because Ed will play. He'll do. He'll come out on a big arena show. So they had My Morning Jacket opening up the whole Oh, you he, he did. I have a... Oh, we have to it all back. blurs together. Yeah. But he'd come out and play one song to get people into the building to see the opening band because he's a good yeah. dude. Yeah. So, we know all this. So, uh, it's weird asking questions about things that I know because I'm such a fan as well. <laughs> but, and I know this too because my number two favorite song of all time does is this. What do you think the sexiest Pearl Jam song is? Because oh. every band's got... I mean, you should have something. So... Nickelback does I think it. there's a couple, but I, I think the most popular answer to that is You Are. 
It's definitely you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. I think Pendulum is a good runner up. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But I think you are is the downright. Because it's a Matt Cameron song. And Matt Cameron knows how to write sexy songs. Yeah. Matt Cameron knows how to write like 5-8 time signature polyrhythm bullshit and make it sound like a four on the floor beat, which is a skill that literally no prog dork has because prog is, you know, at some point it's like, did you guys just fall down the stairs is with your he, instruments? I, so is he into prog rock? He's a big jazz dude. Uh, like an Art Blakey yeah. guy. And a Gene Cre- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fine that he is. And but good, he probably good is. Good for like, him because yeah. that influence goes in the right way, but ugh, jazz. I know, jazz. So with them being a live band and you seeing so many shows over the years, mm-hmm. what is your favorite show and why? I think you probably know what I'm going to say. It's Hartford in Connecticut. Oh my god. Alright, so do you want to set... This could be its own... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it's Hartford in Connecticut, 2006? 2008. 2008. Um, we went to the 2006 show, too. It was actually one of their... That was the show where it was like Hartford's 30 so degrees weird like June. that. Hartford is like, it's either... Um, you're going to see an amazing show in Hartford, or you're going to see a shit show. And that's not specific to Pearl Jam, that is ball bands because Hartford is a very strange place. Well, it was a shit show for some people that night because of 10 club. Oh, mishap. right. Okay. 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 Set so, the scene. so, so, so the answer to the question is Hartford, Connecticut and why? Because we went, we had six of us. We weren't going to go to any of these Five shows. of us. There's five of us. Five of us. And we all got to sit next to each other, like five friends all, and we were the very last seats in the arena. So it wasn't like, oh, well, it was because you've been first row. That's why. No. It, we were the very last seats in the arena, and it was all five of us together. So to be able to enjoy that show with those people was amazing. Like, amazing. Um, and the set list was incredible. And But that show was crazy because, one, there was uh, the fuck-up at the 10 Club line, so people... We're getting in late to the arena. It was the best opening six to eight songs that the band's ever done. Right. And, and most hardcore fans didn't get in. Right. See it. So they, they played some, I think they played a couple of really deep, deep cut songs in the first six songs. It was a break or but fall, the, but the 10 club members were stuck outside yeah. because of a ticket snafu. And we, we happened to get ticket master seats for that because we went last minute. Yeah. And those were the seats we could all get together. Mm-hmm. So we were in, but hardcore 10 Club fans were sitting out. So there was like, I don't want to call it a riot, but like people got injured. They called the cops. They called, I don't think Pearl Jam was really a riot, but they, they had ambulances there. There was fireworks going off. There was people running around behind us on cement, like body slamming each other. We heard people's bodies hit the cement there was, over the music. Because there was like grassy seating behind us. It was. A, it's a shed. It's the new yeah, Dodge yeah, yeah. Civic Center. It's a shed. So it was like this crazy weird atmosphere. And even, I think it was Ed at one point said, you know, it feels like we're playing underwater. And I was like, fuck, it feels like we're listening underwater. Because like it was just so... It was hot, it was thick, it was humid, but it was crazy, and they just pulled out some songs. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, that night was so weird and wonderful, and, like, that that would be my top live show, and not because I was first row, and not because they played my favorite song, 
But because I think they did voice my that night, though. They probably did. Because everything. I punched Barb a lot, and I don't remember. That might have been in a different show, though. Well, Lydia broke her toe. Lydia, yeah. And then we tried. Our friend Lydia broke her toe. Yeah, there was like a line. You got your nipples pinched. Yes, by a stranger. Yeah, some guy just turned around during the show and just (laughs) just totally like reached up and tweaked both of my nips. (laughs) And I twister for no fucking. Would you remember what song it was? No, (laughs) I was too busy getting my fucking nipples pinched. It was a crazy show. Can we do a quick sidebar? Because maybe I would love if somebody would reach out to me on Instagram after hearing this. If they can fucking explain to any of us why Hartford, all of their, like every city has a mascot or a model. Like in Washington State, it's Washington, George Washington's head and all the interstate signs. Uh Why is E.T. on every fucking sign in Hartford? And I think every time we go there and we see E.T. on those signs, I always wonder, like, was E.T. set in Connecticut? But I don't think it was. It was set in, like, the valley or something. Yeah, I don't understand why E.T. is on their signage. It's, maybe they licensed it in a shit deal? Maybe Spielberg is from there? I really gotta Google it now. Yeah, now we gotta get into it. Yeah, but, like, and I mean... Some 12 years later. I've seen... I've seen this band in small clubs. I've seen them in the front. Like, you can see my goddamn face on Storytellers, front oh, row and center. Storytellers. Like, right in front of Eddie Vedder. And still, Hartford, last last row of the arena was my favorite show. Because it was just like, the intensity of being there with fans you know love it as much as you. And then they played some crazy shit. And, like, the atmosphere, like, Hartford would be my favorite show. Well, now let's talk about storytellers. So VH1 used to do a series, Storytellers, and in the midst of the 2006 tour, we saw nine shows in a row. And <laughs> wonder in a why week. we were in so It much was like debt. in a week. It was like in a week and a half, literally. It was and in a week and a half period, we saw nine shows. So it was My Morning Jacket opening all those shows, and the only one they didn't was that Pearl Jam, you know, for, for those of you in New York, Pearl Jam shot storytellers at the Avalon, which is the old limelight, the old church in Midtown. And it was such a special night. Obviously, it aired. They played, I think, seven songs made the airing. And then they recorded two more that night. One was Insignificance off Binaural, mm-hmm. which um, which ended up being, like, to date it, a Yahoo-only exclusive. And then my favorite song, Sleight of Hand, they played that night. And that is just lost to the ages. It never aired. It never It'll released anywhere. I know. I know. But that night was... Somebody's got a copy of it. We were front row but it was, center for that. Well, it was a fan-only event. You could only get in if you had submitted to... If you were in the fan club and you had submitted to a lottery... And you, li- I think it was at people who lived in the area. And you had to write a letter of why you should be let into this show. You, it was a question. It was why do you, why, what would you ask or something like that or why do you think they need to be on VH1? It was some, it was something stupid. And um, I think my my answer was like, because Boom needs to be on prime time. It was something stupid because I'm stupid. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> and you could only get into that if you were. If I think if you lived in the area and if you were part of the 10 club, and I know some VH1 employee, like the dude, the really annoying dude next to me. Oh, so annoying. He, his wife worked for VH1, so they right. had like kind of snuck in. But like our friend snuck in. Snuck Excuse in. Excuse me. Uh, our snuck. friend Jason was there. He was. Jason was there. And, you know, picture it. Sicily. 19, no, it I, was. Or I did that joke in the beginning. It's, it's still Getty jokes are relevant at all times during my podcast. All right. All right. 
whatever. <laughs> anyway, the point they only allowed 250 people into this mm-hmm. into this space. So it was really exclusive. Uh-huh. And we've done other events there over the years. That place is haunted as fuck. Totally. Like I've heard shit there. I've seen things there. It's so it was really like a just a really amazing space. We're seeing them at MSG for two nights. To right. See them well, because we saw them MSG, MSG. Uh, uh, we went to um, Hartford uh, we on went, that tour as well. Uh, that was the other Hartford. It was two nights at the Boston Garden. Yeah. Was that the tour we saw them in Albany? Yes. We saw them in Philly, Jersey, Jersey. Yeah. It was a lot of so it was stuff. a lot of big arena shows and, yeah. and sheds, and then all of a sudden two hundred fifty on the two Camden shows as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was that was a really special night as well. It did really you have, was. did you have more to talk about that? <laughs> just wanted, no, that just was wanted that. to bring it up. It's fucking cool. We're like you know to be like were we twenty six at the point and to, and to be like hey look we're on TV. That was I mean they had my face all over the thing. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it was it was really cool, and it was really amazing to hear Ed tell the stories about how the like, especially with like Alive, that is such a live staple, and it's one of those songs where I'm so sick of Better Man and Even Flow, but I'm never sick of Alive. It's just right. sad because it, it it signals the show is either it means the show is over or about to end with another right. you know. But it's so amazing that that song that was so dark that he explained that it changed the we the fans that the fans changed the changed meaning of the, the song. song. Yeah. It was really amazing to hear that. Yeah. Like, with a band that you, it just like it felt like as a fan that we bet on the right horse as a kid. Right. It just felt very validating that we've our bands are better than your bands. <laughs> or they're they're at least decent guys. That too. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> And I remember being really fucking stoked because on that tour, Stone and Ed had made like a mixtape, I think, to play over the arena. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like Stone's a huge I wish they still did that. Now they just do the, the little um, Ed's uh, piano intros. Yeah. I still wish they made their like hip hop mixes. And it was stuff. cool. Oh, because that reminds me of that uh, Hershey Park show where we were in oh, the bleachers. Yeah. And. They were we they were playing like, like Slater Kinney or something, and Slater Kinney was opening. Yeah. And one of the, like the Pennsylvania rednecks, like he asked us who was opening, and we we're like, "Oh, it's Slater Kinney," and he was like, "They ain't rap, ain't they?" And we're, <laughs> like, no, nope, no, 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 no sir. Also, uh, sidebar: Hershey, Pennsylvania. To get to the venue, you drive down the Hershey Highway to get to Blue Ball. Just pointing that out. Pennsylvania is a weird fucking place. It is a weird place. Because we've seen, we've been to so many strange places over the years. Yes. Just in the States, because we've never seen them in another country. No. Not yet. Not yet. We get, hey, listen, those, uh, those, uh, London tickets are for sale again if you want to chance it and go in 2021. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, this, it's just, it's really validating to have this band that you just, you love so much. And you, you see, what I see that's very interesting is that, especially going on a site like Blabbermouth or like these like slunkhead metal sites, they fucking, lo- somebody loves Pearl Jam in the metal. Like they're, I don't know what, I don't know if it's because Jeff is like an old school hardcore fan and like is outwardly, you know, open about his love for Venom and, Celtic Do you think it's the and, age range? Like they're all in their thirties and forties, and like this is what they grew up with. I don't know because 
I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I just love it. I love that love for a band when you go see them play live that it's just all that shit. Like I remember specifically at, at, at Wrigley Field two years ago mm-hmm. where there was a massive rain delay for like the second Wrigley there's always a right. To be fair, there's always a rain delay at Wrigley. Totally, but this was bad. I mean, it was like literally coming down the stairs outside, like waterfalls, and we were pre-COVID times, just packed in like fucking sardines, and so we're just so packed in there, and we made friends with everyone. I'm still Instagram friends with a couple of those dudes. Yeah, we were like sitting up. People, there was like a, a family from Detroit, and like. I mean, people were looking out for each other. People were going to get beers for each other. Yeah, those, we, the people that we were with had snacks, and they were passing them around. We were sitting on road cases. People were passing joints around. It was... We were there for like an hour and a half, It was right? a long, it was a long fucking time. time. It was a heavy rain. It but it rain. just... It made you feel like you chose right. And that's... <sighs> Unfortunately, the term, you know, the jamly. <sighs> but it is a family. Like, it is like... I also feel this passionate about this same band, so I understand you. Yeah. Like, I understand you on that level. Totally. You know, it's, I feel it's that band that I think even more people just opened up to, to there's something for everyone there. Mm-hmm. And I've made, I've made playlists for multiple people. Yeah. You push it on people. I push it on people. I don't but- push it on people. I don't, because it's mine. I don't want... I'm selfish that way. I don't want to, it's mine. I don't want you to have it. I don't and push I, hard though. You, know, you don't push hard. You don't fuck with it. You don't push hard, but I don't, it's mine. It's, it's mine. And I don't want, I don't, I don't, I don't want other people to have it. I'd be happy if it was just me at shows. That'd be kind of sick. It'd, It'd be, be great. great. Yeah. But. Wait, am I there? Uh, maybe. I should be there. At least you're right. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't. I don't feel the need that I need to open up and share it with people because it belongs to me and it's my thing and I love it and I hold it dear. Whereas you are more of a giver in that way, where you like this band makes me happy and I want to share it with you. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, it makes me super happy. Well, I think that's the difference right there between an Aries and a Scorpio. Right. Like you want? Hey, look at this! I want you to be as happy as I am listening to it. Or I'm like, no, thank you. This belongs to me. Do you remember at that one show? It was Seattle. Mud Honey was opening. Mm-hmm. I still have never seen Mud Honey because of this. Eleven degrees, oh. waiting to get our tickets. Yeah, I've seen Mud Honey like a bunch of times. I don't oh, give a I'm shit. so sorry, Seattle girl. I <laughs> and we finally get in there. We miss Mud Honey. We're outside the key arena in Seattle. We could hear them playing. They had a ten club ticket issue. It was another yeah, another yeah, so, ten club issue. You know, note to issue. self: thank you very much to friends and family for for you know letting us get it. You know, get our tickets. Um, but in home, in your hometown where they have over a thousand people on the friends and family list, yeah, didn't quite work out. It was well, a, it was just slow going. It was slow going. They were everyone was super That's nice. We got yeah. we got in. We just missed the opener. So we got in, literally as the lights are going down, and there are there are, there's two guys behind we us. We have about five minutes. Not really. No, That's too close yeah. to call. It was way too close to call, to the point where I had people texting me like, "Are you going to get in? Are yeah. you in?" So are you? We, we got in with enough time, but it was too close for me right it was and we had floor seats and i'm fucking freezing my feet are frozen everything's fucking frozen yeah because it's wet in seattle and cold. And, and it was unseasonably cold for yeah, seattle it doesn't yeah. usually get that cold it was way below freezing and being outside for hours it wasn't night. below freezing but we were outside for a long time it was fucking cold okay 
The guy behind us is ungodly drunk. Uh. And his buddy is not happy. He's drinking too, but he's adult drinking. And we 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 look back. The show's, what, two songs in maybe? Not very many songs. We look back and the guy's got the classic sitting down, like elbows on knees, head in his hand. Not good. Drunky monkey. At Drunky monkey. As we turn around... <laughs> We see him vomit oh, everything. That's everywhere. when that's when we realize the key arena has shifted in the ground over the years, and it starts coming towards us because the ground is at a slope. Oh. During this, his friend, a true hero, a <laughs> patriot, punches his friend in the side of the head and calls security on his own friend. To watch to get his friend removed so we could watch the rest of the show. It was... That's what we need. Fucking glorious. That's what we need. It was awesome. I mean, why... I don't... I don't understand it. Like, I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum, but like, why are you getting that drunk at a show? Yeah. It's... You don't need to be that drunk at a show. Mm -hmm. And also, please don't fucking talk at a show. Seriously, how'd you afford to get that drunk at a show? Seriously, like those, those tickets are expensive. You want to where'd you get where'd you get drinking money? Seventeen dollar warm beer? No fucking thank you. Mm. So okay, so I I want to I want to wrap this up with my Jerry Springer last moments, whatever the what is it called when he does that? Final moment. Final moment. Yeah. Fatality. No, just is called final moment. No, we're gonna call it fatality. no it's 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 an interesting question and i don't want follow-up maybe minimal i like that you just called your own question interesting it is it's great okay um on this alternate plane of existence yes pearl jam doesn't exist as a band okay who's your favorite band soundgarden damn that was easy i mean i would also like the doors also but like ah fuck soundgarden's so good Soundgarden's so good. So good. And there's like a huge resurgence lately with people, I think, finally starting to respect how good they how are. How good they are. They, they were. I think it's, you know, honestly, I think it's cooler to like Soundgarden. Oh, it's way cooler. As as for all, as all the Seattle, I don't think it's cool like Pearl Jam. I don't think anybody cool is saying like Pearl Jam. Because like, what do we have? Adam Levine and John Mayer. Man. Like, not, not super cool dudes. God, that sucks. It's like, we got it. <laughs> But you have, well, it's always that thing also is that shitty musicians like great bands and great musicians like shitty bands. Oh, man. Rob Thomas has fucking exquisite taste in music. Right. But Ed? Exquisite. Ed's taste in music? He likes fucking trash. Yeah. So, yes, you're right. Soundgarden rides this line between Sabbath and Zeppelin. Yeah, I think Soundgarden's way cooler to like. You're way cooler if you say Soundgarden's your favorite band. Not so you want to end this thing, though. Yeah. I think that's pretty much you in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to thank you all for listening to the very first episode of the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross and my beautiful, lovely, wonderful guest, my wife, (laughs) uh, Anna Herda, for being on this podcast with me. And I can't wait to do more of these. There's a ton coming. So thank you. Well, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, are you going to plug my shit? I can come on this for free. Fuck! (laughs) She didn't come on this for free. Yeah, you should definitely, because, God, this also affects me. I'm the CFO of this fucking operation. You should follow her literally, seriously fucking amazing business, Memento Mori Goods. You can uh, check them out at Memento Mori Goods on Instagram. It's just everything for your dark, witchy, wonderful, black, soulish needs. 
and uh, just honestly the best smelling candles I've ever smelled in my fucking life. Aww. So um, you should get over there and buy all this stuff so I can retire early and just do this podcast. That would be a, a dream. So uh, anyway, thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.